The America's National Parks Podcast is brought to you by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can help them support the parks by shopping their limited edition National Park Collection. Every time you purchase products from the National Park Collection, which includes totes, shirts, hats, patches, and more, you're helping to protect, restore, and improve parks throughout the U.S. Search National Park Collection at LLBean.com and be an outsider with L.L. Bean. The Peace Pipe, as it's often called by those who only know it as a symbol of the hundreds of peace treaties signed between the federal government and Native American tribes, is a valued tradition that dates back thousands of years. And today, on a one square mile plot of land, that tradition continues in the modern world, ever-changing yet firmly rooted in the past. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on America's National Parks, Minnesota's Pipestone National Monument. As the primary source of communication between the spirit power and human beings, the pipe's many roles in the lives of many tribal nations is far more significant than simply marking the signing of a treaty. Sitting Bull had become responsible for an extended family that had grown rather large and as a result, his mother requested that he restrain himself in battle and not be as aggressive so as to prevent major injury or death. He did as she asked, but his hard-earned reputation as a fierce warrior suffered when the other men noticed his hesitation on the battlefield. Then, in 1872, the Lakota warriors attempted to block construction of a railroad near the Yellowstone River. The U.S. Army was there to provide protection for the railroad, and a battle ensued. As the battle turned into a standoff, Ogallala Lakota warrior Crazy Horse displayed his bravery by riding in front of the soldiers armed only with a spear. Then, Sitting Bull stepped forward. He put his rifle on the ground and walked towards the line of soldiers with his pipe. The soldiers began firing. With bullets kicking up dirt around him, Sitting Bull sat down and shouted back to his fellow warriors. Whoever wishes to smoke with me, come. Only four men, including Sitting Bull's nephew, White Bull, sat with him as bullets buzzed past their heads and hit the ground at their feet and legs. The four men anxiously smoked as fast as they could, but noted that Sitting Bull just sat and looked around and smoked peacefully. After smoking the pipe, Sitting Bull calmly picked up a stick and cleaned out the pipe bowl before standing up. He then turned at a leisurely pace walked back towards home as the bullets hit the dirt behind him. The Lakota warriors were in awe that not one bullet struck him during the entire episode, and he had shown no fear. Smoking the pipe in the midst of battle restored Sitting Bull's reputation among the other warriors. The appearance of smoking the pipe was a peaceful one, but in the context of battle, it required courage, confidence, and defiance. The oversimplification of this sacred pipe as simply a peace pipe misses the many roles and contexts in which it has supported the lives of countless Native Americans for centuries. Stone pipes have been used in North America for thousands of years, 
and much of the stone carved for them comes from the active quarries of Pipestone National Monument, which have been in use for at least 3,000 years. Carvers prize this durable yet relatively soft stone, which ranges in color from mottled pink to brick red. The monument isn't the only source of pipestone on the continent, but the location became the preferred source of pipestone among the plains people due to the quality and the quantity of the stone. The site was and is still used by many tribes, and tradition states that when people come here, even enemies, they lay down their weapons before quarrying side by side. With a history of pipestone, here's Abigail Trebu. Ceremonial smoking marked the activities of the Plains people, making peace, rallying forces for warfare, trading goods, rituals, and many other ceremonies. Bowls, stems, and tobacco were stored in animal skin pouches or in bundles with other sacred objects. Pipes were often valued possessions buried with the dead. There were as many variations in pipe design as there were carvers. By the 1800s, the simple tubes of earlier days had become incredibly elaborate works of art. Pipes became widely known as peace pipes among European Americans who encountered their customary use at treaty ceremonies, even though pipes have many other very important uses. In the mid-19th century, as the indigenous people of Minnesota were forced onto reservations, some tribal nations ceded land that included the pipestone quarry without the consent of the Yankton Dakota who controlled it, and refused to move to a reservation unless they were guaranteed free and unrestricted access to the pipestone quarries. The federal government agreed, and an 1858 treaty established a one-square-mile reservation around the quarries. Within 20 years, newly arrived settlers began digging new quarry pits and stealing the sacred stone. A homestead patent was filed within the quarry reserve area, and the mayor of Pipestone violated the law for many years by building his house within the reservation and occupying it until the U.S. Army forced him to move out of the reservation. In the 1880s, the Burlington, Cedar Rapids, and Northern Railroad paid the tribe for right-of-way through part of the quarry reserve just above the quartzite cliffs. In 1892, a bill passed Congress to establish the Pipestone Indian Boarding School on the northeastern corner of the reservation, despite protests from the tribe. And in 1899, they sued to be compensated for damages to their quarry. After several attempts to reach a resolution, first through the U.S. Congress, then through a new agency called the Indian Court of Claims, the tribe spent decades seeking compensation, losing at every turn. The case proceeded to the Supreme Court in 1926, who stated that the federal government's actions amounted to illegal seizure and ordered the Indian Court of Claims to determine the value of the land for payment of damages. In 1928, the tribe received $338,558.90 for the land, but lost their claim to the quarries as the title to the land fell under full control of the federal government. Pipestone National Monument was signed into existence in 1937, and it's mandated to protect the right of Native Americans enrolled in any federally recognized tribe to quarry pipestone. In 
Pipestone quarrying is often an underappreciated part of the tradition surrounding pipe making. The process can require many days of physical labor with only sledgehammers, pry bars, chisels, and wedges. It takes two to six weeks to reach the pipestone layer, which is sandwiched between layers of very hard Sioux quartzite that is harder than granite. The upper levels of quartzite can be four to ten feet thick above the pipestone layer. Quarriers use shovels and wheelbarrows to dig up surface soils and glacial till. Then they dump it in rubble piles at the rear of the quarries. Wedges or chisels are placed into the quartzite's cracks and are driven down with sledgehammers to break it apart. Upon loosening a piece, it is worked free with a steel pry bar and dropped onto the floor of the quarry. Heavy sledgehammers are then used to break the bigger chunks of quartzite into smaller, more manageable pieces that can be lifted and thrown out of the back of the quarry. The process of breaking out the quartzite is repeated many times until the pipestone layer is exposed. The smaller pieces of quartzite are used to build a retaining wall along the front of the rubble pile, preventing the walls from collapsing back into the quarry. Once the pipestone is exposed, care must be taken in removing the stone as it is very fragile. The pipestone layer may vary from 10 to 18 inches thick and is composed of multiple layers from 1 to 3 inches thick. Individual layers are carefully removed one slab at a time by driving wedges into the natural horizontal seams. The quarry pits are located in the bottom of a bowl-shaped drainage. In the spring and early summer months, groundwater from rain and snowmelt collects in this low-lying area, filling the quarries with water. Most quarriers prefer to work during the summer to late fall months to avoid the groundwater problems. Monument staff will assist quarriers by pumping water out of the quarries, but often groundwater will flow back into the quarry itself as fast as it's pumped out. The cultures of the Great Plains have undergone radical changes since the era of the free-ranging buffalo herds. Yet pipe carving is by no means a lost art. Carvings today are appreciated as works of art as well as for ceremonial use. In recent years, the number of quarrying permits issued by the park has ranged from anywhere between 30 and 40. Most of today's quarriers are from the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and other parts of the central U.S., but individuals do sometimes come from much further away. The best way for you to learn about quarrying is to observe someone working the stone. A few quarriers work off and on throughout the year, though most quarrying is done in the fall. If you're observing someone in a quarry, please be respectful and always ask permission before taking a photograph. But between April and October, quarriers demonstrate the craft of pipe making and carving effigies in the cultural center of the park's visitor center. The Circle Trail is a three-quarter mile long paved path that cuts through the tall grass prairie along a creek past a waterfall and past ancient quarries still used by Native Americans today. Pipestone National Monument is located in southwestern Minnesota along State Highway 23, about an hour north of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. 
This episode of America's National Parks was narrated by Abigail Trebu and hosted by me, Jason Epperson. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. For more great American destinations, give us a listen at the Sea America podcast. And if you're interested in RV travel, find us at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys all over social media as our wandering family. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.